Today is Communion Sunday, and it's also um, often called uh, the Triumphal Sunday entry or um, the uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, And today, we're looking forward to discussing all of those uh, events and how they uh, how we arrive at those names and what the name should truly be. Uh, but before that, we are going to celebrate our uh, the Lord's Supper. And so as we begin, we take just a few seconds here for spiritual preparation. Spiritual preparation for us, of course, is an opportunity for confession of sins But I think it's even more than that. Certainly, uh, confession of sins is critical. But it's also our uh, preparation, settling our minds, and um, readying ourselves for worship. Uh, So, let's take a few seconds, closing our eyes and bowing our heads, And I will give you several seconds for our spiritual preparation as we begin our worship service this morning. Dear Holy Father, we're thankful that you are our God that you have created us, that you have provided for us. And one of the great provisions that you have given us is a means of redemption. And that redemption comes through the one and only Son that you have given us. We are told that... uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that we have redemption, redemption from sin, so that sin is not the question when we think of salvation, when we think of justification. When we think of salvation, we are simply thinking about our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. We ask, Father, for your blessing upon our service, upon uh, our communion service, and also the message following. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. For our communion service this morning, what I would like to do is ask you to turn to uh, a passage of scripture that we have read previously, but but it's also a, a great passage for our understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he has done for us. So turn to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, and we'll begin in verse 11. Now I'm going to do my best to read straightly, straight through the passage, and then I want to give you some points. Um, some, some people uh, wonder why I try to approach some of these passages categorically. Well, first of all, it helps me. It helps me to understand the meaning of the passage. But I think it also walks us systematically through the doctrine, the teaching that is actually occurring. So let's get started here with Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come. In other words, this book, and it's important for us to understand this, that this book was written to Jews. Uh, 
some think it was more Jew Jewish leadership, such as priests. But I believe it can be easily seen as a book that was written to Jews who were uh, who were believers, but were having a difficult time uh, from returning to Judaism. And Christ here comes as our high priest, high priest. So this is going to be a contrast between of what we have today at that time and today and the, uh, the assets or the, uh, uh, the meaning of the, Le- the Levitical uh, priesthood and law. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption. This is the redemption that we have. It's the redemption that uh, once believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an eternal, um, an eternal salvation. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a, herf- a heifer Sprinkling the unclean, sac- uh, uh, cleaning, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who by means of the eternal Spirit, this would be God the Holy Spirit, offered Himself without spots, impeccable, we might say, to God how it cleanses your uh, conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, that verse is a mouthful. And it's actually a reference to the Day of Atonement because it's not only the the blood of bulls and goats, but the ashes of a heifer. So this was a very special day. And those sacrifices on that day had great significance, but they only cleansed, sanctified the exterior of the individual. And this tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ, the word in my New King James Version, is conscience. I think you can very easily change that to soul, but the death of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses, sanctifies our soul, the inside. First, <clears throat> verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, a new contract. By means of death, by his death on the cross, for the redemption of the transgressions, the sins under the first covenant. The first covenant designates sin, tells us exactly what are sins. And so we know uh, our transgressions. So that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. This can be a, uh, a confusing verse because we see the word called. I'm going to change the the translation from called to some, uh, summoned. Uh, the actual meaning of the word is to invite. And we are summoned. We are summoned to places. We are summoned to the cross. And we are summoned to service. And you see this as you go through the New Testament. Now, very uh, briefly, let's... Uh, look at our heavenly high priest. This is just a, just several points on this passage, so you have a, a hopefully 
uh, a better understanding of what is being taught. First of all, Christ came, first of all, as our high priest, and with him comes greater assets than than existed with the Levitical priesthood. Uh, And we could list many greater assets, but certainly one of the greatest assets of those is we have direct access to the Father. Secondly, two, we no longer worship at the Levitical, earthly, tabernacle or temple, but a heavenly temple. Our uh, temple now is in heaven, the throne room. Third, the death of our high priest is far superior to the death of the millions of animals required by the Mosaic law. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and went to the cross once. And his death on the cross really is the fulfillment of the shadow of all the sacrifices that had gone before. Third, with his death, he enters the heavenly temple once. The the, uh, high priest would, on the uh, Day of Atonement, enter the uh, Holy of Holies. But he had to do this every year. Uh, atoning for the sins of the people. But the Lord Jesus Christ goes to the cross once and enters into uh, the throne room, enters into this holy temple, as we say, and with his sacrificial uh, uh, performance. Five, his death, his sacrifice on the cross provides redemption for all mankind, not just one or two, or not just a select few, but for all mankind. Point six, while the blood of animals purified the exterior, the outside of the person, the death of Christ purified the soul, purifies, sanctifies the soul of the individual. Seven, in giving his life for our redemption, Christ becomes our mediator to the Father. So we now have uh, direct access to the Father, but we also have a high priest who is sitting beside the Father, and uh, God, the Holy, God the Holy Spirit assists us in our relationship with God the with God the Father, uh, assists us in our relationship with God the Father. And then eight here. This helps us with this word called. Christ's, Christ sums us to redemption and then also to serve for an eternal inheritance. And many believers miss the importance of uh, our salvation Some believe that uh, we are redeemed, and that's essentially it. But it's not. We are also summoned to serve. There's a church. um, I'll need to ask Theron and Tony uh, the name of the church again. But we went to a a funeral. I believe it was a funeral. uh, A church in uh, Maryland. And there was a sign over the door, over the back of the church, and it said, this is not the exact words, but essentially it said, enter to worship, exit to serve. And I think that's an extraordinary uh, comment on our spiritual lives. We worship in church, but we should exit the church, although we can serve in the church, of course, but we should exit to serve. And that, and we are summoned as believers to serve. All right. Now, as we move to the Lord's table, let's move to the Lord's table. Uh, first of all, the elements. If we are to worship uh, God through the Lord's table. There, uh, what 
the Lord Jesus Christ has given us is symbols. Symbols for the Lord Jesus Christ who goes to the cross. Uh, and those elements not only speak of his perfection and his uh, qualifying uh, ability to go to the cross, but also what he accomplishes on the cross. And the first element is the bread. The person of Christ was sinless. And we'll study this just a little bit more uh, in our message today as we uh, address uh, Palm Sunday. But the person of Christ was qualified to go to the cross because he was the Lamb of God that came And how did he come? He came sinlessly to the cross. Uh, His ministry on earth really uh, begins very close to to a Passover service. And it will end at a Passover service during those three years. He had four, uh, we believe, four different Passover services. Uh, And he was, in fact... The lamb, the uh, unblemished uh, lamb that was qualified to go to the cross. We also see that uh, the cup that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, provided as a symbol for us, for his work on the cross, his death on the cross, the beverage in the cup is generally going to be red in color, which is symbolic of his death. It represents blood, but it's truly his uh, his spiritual death because it was after he had been on the cross for at least six hours. The last three uh, were accomplishing his salvation work. And uh, it is his work that actually provides for us uh, the redemptive work. Eating and drinking here is uh, an indication of faith in the person and the work of Christ. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this ceremony, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, is meaningless, um, and therefore, uh, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand the significance of this uh, of this ceremony. And then finally, there is a warning here, a warning of confession of sins. Um, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must approach the Lord's table. Um, having a sanctified conscience or soul, as we read in our passage in Hebrews 9. And therefore, it's important for us as we proceed to take just a few seconds here for confession of sins, uh, preparation of our soul and our conscience uh, for the significance of the, uh, of the, the service. Now, uh, normally, at this point, I would request the deacons come forward, and I've actually done that uh, today as well. Uh, they will not be on ca- on camera, but I would like to ask uh, Bill Sen to give thanks for the bread. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the bread, the body of Christ, which in turn is a metaphor for his perfect, sinless, impeccable humanity. Father, we thank you that uh, his perfect humanity qualified him to go to the cross to be our Savior, and that through faith in him we not only receive eternal life, but we have credited to our account his perfect righteousness. The scripture says, He, God the Father, made him God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God by means of him. Please help us to think on these truths as we take the bread in Christ's name. Once more, the wafer that we will, uh, which uh, we will uh, eat together, 
is, uh, represents his body, his sinless perfection as he went to the cross. And in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul tells us that the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This bread is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. As we move to the cup, remember that our thoughts should be on the elements, but even more so to what they symbolize. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ in his sinless perfectness. But, and, excuse me, and his death on the cross. And so at this time, I'll ask Scott Craig to offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the cup. Dear Father, may we be reminded that he that knew no sin was made sin for our on our behalf. May we also be reminded by taking this action, we were totally redeemed from sin and given us the opportunity for salvation through his, through his blood. And with that, we now can spend all eternity with Christ in heaven. So may, may we think on those, uh, those actions that Christ took by going to the cross as we partake of the cup. We ask these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Remembering that the cup of juice represents his blood, which in turn represents his spiritual death on the cross. Therefore, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for our redemption. And we're thankful for the memory that we have, the the repetition that we have of this uh, teaching method of using very simply this wafer and the cup to help us to recall the Lord Jesus Christ's life and death on the cross. And we pray, Father, as we, uh, as we perform this communion service, that truly will have significant significance to us. And we not only celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the fact that after his resurrection, he returned to heaven to sit beside you, Father, until you send him to return for us at the rapture. And we look forward to that. It's a wonderful and uh, encouraging thought that at any time our Savior could come and take us to be with Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that in this service we are honoring You, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'd like to do now is move to another, another, I guess we could say another subject, but it's going to be the uh, historical event, the historical event of what is often called uh, the triumphal entry or the Palm, uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, Scott Craig has made uh, a slide, and I, I appreciate this slide because it represents uh, two of the topical approaches to this event. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, 
also known as Palm Sunday. Uh, we're going to visit several passages, one in Mark, uh, Mark 11, 9, 10 here, but there are four different passages that represent this event. And this event is important to us because it represents uh, literally what we have just uh, observed, and that is the coming Passover Sunday, the coming Passover. Uh, Sunday, next Sunday, will be Resurrection Sunday. Now, uh, this, I think, is an event, and theologically, if we understand this correctly, we we should understand that the triumphal entry is almost a misnomer. And not only that, but Palm Sunday, calling it Palm Sunday, while palms were used uh, for this event, those palms were not were never used for uh, the selection of uh, the the uh, Passover lamb. And therefore, let's read several more passages. I want to move to, I want to thank Scott for that slide. But the, what's very often called the triumphal entry, more accurately should be called the selection of the Passover lamb. Let's read several of the, uh, the scripture. We begin with Matthew 21, 1, 11. Matthew 21. And as, as we read through these passages, I'd like for you to try to truly grasp the context of what we are reading. And we'll be able to see that there is an approaching event, which was known as the uh, Passover, the Passover evening and day for the, uh, sacri- the, sacri- uh, the sacrifice of the lamb. But you'll notice there seems to be uh, other, or not seems, there are other uh, actions that are ongoing that are really uh, a distraction to what the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to accomplish. So in Matthew 21, verse 1, we read, Now when they drew near Jerusalem, this is the Lord Jesus Christ with his disciples, they were approaching Jerusalem and came to Beth- Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Verse 4, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and setting, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fault of a donkey. Notice that the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting on the donkey, not on, or excuse me, on the fold, the colt, not the donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This, the spreading of these branches is something that was uh, foreign to uh, the feast of the Passover. So we are now observing uh, efforts by the people, uh, activities by the people that 
really do not belong with this uh, this feast. Spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a translation, a transliteration from the Hebrew, and it means send or deliver, save or deliver us now. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's also read Mark 11. Turn to Mark 11.1. Mark 11, verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, you and as soon as you have entered, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Now, how many of us would probably get on a donkey or how many of us would get on a young uh, horse uh, who has never been ridden uh, previously? We know that they would probably be wild. But notice it is not wild when the creator sits upon him. And if anyone says, uh, uh, and if, if... And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street. And they loosened it. They untied it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing unloosening or loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on him, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the tree and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, the king, uh, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around uh, at all the things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, what we're seeing here is a uh, a remarkable event. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming to Jerusalem for what event? The event is the feast of the Passover. And he is coming as what? The Lamb. But this event is being misinterpreted and misapplied by uh, the people who are receiving him. And uh, as this occurs, we're going to see several uh, uh, several things. First of all, the uh, the riding on a colt. Uh, if this was a king or a conqueror, he would not be riding on a colt or a donkey. He would be riding on a, a horse or maybe in a chariot. But he's riding. He is riding on this colt, and the colt accepts him. Willingly, because this is the creator. The other thing we notice is that there are branches, these palm branches. And palm branches, we're going to see in a moment, uh, were not used on uh, for the feast of uh, the Passover. But they were used for the feast of the tabernacle. And it will be during the, tab- the, uh, the feast of... Of, tab- of tabernacles, that there is the anticipation of the arrival of the king. And so we have uh, misapplied efforts here. 
Now, I'm not going to read Luke 19, 29 through 44, or John 12. They're very important. But what I would like to do is talk about the significance here. First of all, and I think we have about five points here. We should be able to move through this rather quickly. The significance of the triumphal entry. And I would like to acknowledge uh, uh, Arnold Fruchtenbaum for his excellent work uh, regarding the, the Passover. Uh, much of the informa- information that I'm going to uh, relate to you uh, he has researched and I think has approached this in a, an excellent manner. Uh, the day of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem came to be known as Palm Sunday. But in both cases, both of these can uh, mislead us. It was on the 10th of Nisan, or we believe the 2nd of April, A.D. 30. Depending upon which year, this could also have been uh, the end of March on A.D. 33. Now, uh, what would we understand is to occur on the 10th of Nisan? We would understand from our study in Exodus that this is the day that we select or set aside a lamb, a lamb that would be the sacrifice for uh, the Passover. So follow me as we go here. Often the triumphal entry is interpreted as, as being the time when Jesus formally offered himself to the Jews as their king and Messiah. Another common interpretation is that it was the final offer of the kingdom, uh, the final offer of the kingdom to Israel. But in fact, neither neither of these views represents the actual significance of the event. Jesus offered himself as the Messiah, the King of Jews, during the three previous years. But after Matthew 12, he no longer. Uh, represented himself as the king. It's very interesting. Israel rejected his his messiahship uh, in Matthew 12. We read about this, Matthew 12. Jesus declared that the generation of his day was guilty of committing the unpardonable sin and rescinded the offer of the kingdom to the generation. Now, there's some uh, uh, disagreement on... Uh, whether there was a continued offering of the kingdom later by even the uh, apostles. But uh, it's possible that the, uh, the offer ended at that time. Uh, uh, the Jews at this time, as they approached AD 70, were under judgment. Hence, the purpose of this ride into Jerusalem was not to officially present himself as king, uh, something he had done all along. Nothing he said during the ride hinted at reoffering of the kingdom. On the contrary, when Jesus spoke, he spoke words of judgment, and we're going. We we haven't covered that part of it, but afterwards, the Lord Jesus Christ stood on the Mount of Olives and observed Jerusalem. And he wept over Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen. Hence, the theological significance of the triumphal entry is uh, the significance lies not in the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a king, but coming as the lamb. Again, the Jewish calendar was date was the 10th of Nisan the day of the month on which the Jewish people were to set aside the uh, Passover lamb. Uh, From the 10th until the 14th day of Nisan, the lamb was tested. Uh, It would be observed. Why? It was to ensure that it was spotless 
and and without blemish. Jesus' ride into Jerusalem occurred on the same day that the the Passover lamb was selected or set aside to be tested. Herein lies the theological significance of this event. When John the Baptist first introduced Jesus as the Messiah, the title he used was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Just as the 10th day of Nisan, the Jews at that time were setting aside the literal Lamb. Jesus rode into Jerusalem and was set aside as the Passover Lamb of God. And that really is the significance of this day. Secondly, fulfillment of the Passover. The town of Beth Bethpage was located on the slopes of Mount Olives between uh, Bethany and Jerusalem. As Jesus and the disciples uh, moved from the uh, Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his disciples to find a donkey. Uh, The passage, you'll remember, says, You shall find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. While the mother had been trained and gentle, meaning the donkey, uh, trained and gentled, the colt had never been ridden. Nevertheless, this did not, the colt did not buck or cause the Lord Jesus Christ any problems. The Lord Jesus Christ rode it, following, uh, showing his lordship over the kingdom, animal kingdom. Jesus further instructed the disciples disciples that if anyone asked them what they were doing, they were simply to answer, the Lord has need of them. What does that say? The Lord has need of them. There is a necessity here, a necessity for him to use this cult to enter the uh, uh, Jerusalem. And immediately... Uh, the colt uh, is submissive. Uh, it's also a requirement from Zechariah 9.9, which reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having deliverance, lowly and riding upon a donkey even upon a colt, the fold of a donkey. So Jesus was meeting this uh, this prophecy. The way the Jewish people responded is significant. And taken together, the four Gospels account fully describes their reactions. They cut palm, palm branches and laid them before the feet of the colt upon which Jesus rode. They also shouted, uh, Hosanna. They weren't crying for the redemption that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to uh, present. Um, but instead, they were looking for deliverance. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. These are the actions performed during the Feast of Tabernacles. This is what they would call This is what they would expect at the uh, Feast of the Tabernacle, not the Passover. So the response of the multitude showed that they expected tabernacles to be fulfilled on this occasion. Now, uh, there's some question here whether uh, that might be that they actually would expect the tabernacle. But what they were doing is that they were pulling in another... uh, Ritual or another uh, activity that is really inappropriate for the feast of the Passover. Um, gathering these, uh, uh, the response of the multitude, uh, they did this in accordance with Zechariah 14, but uh, Zechariah 14 is talking about the Feast of the Tabernacle. So the declaration and the action of the multitude showed that they expected the Messianic kingdom to be established. 
However, they failed to realize that Jesus had come to fulfill the Passover, not the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Passover would be fulfilled by his death, not the establishment of his kingdom. So clearly the multitude misinterpreted the purpose of his riding into Jerusalem. They made the same mistake that Peter made on the Mount of of Transfiguration. Uh, Peter thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was at that time uh, establishing himself as the Messiah, uh, the Messiah King. And that's why he wanted to build these uh, 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 temples that we could say, uh, the tabernacles. But that's not what the Lord was planning. Uh, we also see, of course, that the disciples at this time did not understand what was happening. It was not until John 12, or excuse me, as explained in John 12:16, that his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered. They remembered these events. Only after the ascension and the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit would they finally realize the significance of all that was happening. Now, Point three, the palm branches. What is the significance here of the palm branches? This is simply sort of an, uh, an aside, but th- this is, these are a few additional notes to help clarify the mindset of the multitude who witnessed Jesus riding into the royal city of Jerusalem on the back of the colt. Uh, in Leviticus 23.40, Moses commanded the gathering of palm branches for the Feast of Tabernacles, but not for the the Passover. However, their actions demonstrate that the multitudes thought in terms of the king. Uh, Maybe we could could say uh, a military uh, military advancement here. And, And history tells us Other events triggered a a similar response from the people of Jerusalem. Uh, Just very quickly, um, the people of uh, in and around Jerusalem used palm branches when uh, the Maccabees, both Judah and Simon, entered the uh, entered Jerusalem. They did it at different times, but this was uh, to them. Uh, an indication that a king was coming. And now they see the uh, Jesus riding on this donkey, and they believe that this is an indication that he is going to be, uh, that he is going to establish his kingdom now. For the one of the statements that the Jews applied to Jesus was, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. From Jewish perspective, that phrase is an official messianic greeting the the rabbis taught that when jesus that when uh, the messiah comes he must be greeted with these words which come from a messianic psalm in the hebrew bible and we read that in psalm 118 now uh, we're going to move quickly here through the response of the the pharisees while there were many uh, jews who uh, who accepted or responded very positively to the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that the leadership, the Pharisees and the scribes, did not. While the masses proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, the, Pharise- the Pharisees responded differently, saying, uh, uh, among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. In other words, uh, they had opposed the Lord. They had opposed Jesus. And they recognized that they were accomplishing nothing. Look, the world, the world has gone after him. And that's found in John twelve nineteen. Luke later adds, And some of the Pharisees from the multitude said unto him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, uh, because uh, they rejected him as the Messiah. And he answered and said, I tell you that if these shall hold their peace, meaning the disciples, the stones will cry out. 
If the multitude had been silent, the stones would have cried out uh, in the very same words. The fact that Jesus was not riding into Jerusalem to establish his kingdom is made made clear by what happened next. In the spite of many hosannas, the greetings and the greetings of blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, uh, Jesus' words remain those of judgment. So we can tell that while the people misunderstood and misapplied what was occurring, the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly what was happening because he would, uh, he would pronounce judgment upon Jerusalem. <clears throat> if Jesus had offered to restore the kingdom as he rode into, the, in, rode into Jerusalem on the day of the triumphal entry, the multitude would have accepted him as Messiah. Thousands upon thousands of Jesus of Jews proclaimed him as Messiah because Matthew mentioned that it was true for the most part of the multitude, the multitude that was there. Now remember that many of these were Jews from Galilee who had come down, had traveled with him down to Jericho and then from Jericho over to Jerusalem. But there still was a, a large number of Jews who rejected him. Uh, now, our last point here is Jesus' acceptance. As stated, the purpose of the uh, triumphal entry was not to present a king, but was to set aside the Lamb of God in preparation for the Passover sacrifice. Mark reports that Jesus continued on and entered into Jerusalem. Matthew elaborates on what happened, uh, that he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. But they weren't stirred because he was presenting himself as the Passover lamb. They believed that he was presenting himself to be the king. When the Pharisees objected to the worship and the acclaim that was being given to, uh, to Jesus, Jesus informed them that the Messiah deserved their worship. They deserved to praise him, but they should not have been praising him uh, as the king, or they could have, but he was going to be their redeemer. <clears throat> His acceptance of their praise and worship showed that he honored the people's assertions that he was the Messiah. Uh, On that day, the 10th of Nisan, Nisan, the Passover lamb of God was set aside. From the 10th until the 14th, the lamb was tested to show that he was spotless and without blemish. And if you read through the, uh, the Gospels, whether it's Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, you'll see that the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, tested by the Pharisees and also the, the scribes so that the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates through the week as he is observed as if he was a, being observed as the lamb who was going to, uh, to be sacrificed Uh, he passed all of those tests so that he was ready to go to the cross. Now, in conclusion and application, the event of the triumphal entry as described by most theologians was, in fact, Jesus presenting, presenting himself as the Passover lamb. Yes, He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, which John the the Baptist had identified him at his baptism. If we read the the passages in the Gospels and ignore the content, we miss the entire significance of the event. The people, while knowing that this was the feast of Passover, they transformed it into the selection of a king instead of a sacrificial lamb. Jesus allows the people to misunderstand and misapply the time and events while God's plan 
for the Passover had to continue. Jesus knew the cross must come before the crown. He was the lamb going to the cross for us. We often misunderstand historical events and misapply doctrinal truth also. Many believers today think that the virus, which is front and center on the world stage, is a prophetic sign of the end time or a decisive punishing stroke by God upon a spiritual wayward America. On the other hand, it may simply be another result of a fallen world which Satan cannot control and which God allows. God allows these events as tests for believers to apply biblical promises and truths to their lives. We must learn to trust him for our comfort and for our needs. God also allows these events for unbelievers to come to the true solution to human problems. That solution is the same one that was presented to the Jews on that Sunday morning in April, either 30 A.D. or 33 A.D. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God opened the door for for mankind to come to him. And that door is the Lord Jesus Christ, believing on his sacrificial work on the cross. Let's bow our heads in prayer. prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to to worship you in uh, the communion service. Help us to truly remember uh, the Lord Jesus Christ's qualification Uh, his impeccable life so that he could accomplish your plan, Father, by going to the cross. And we're thankful for his willingness to be our Redeemer by taking upon him the sins of the world. We pray, Father, that we would, on a daily basis, come to you in prayer, realizing it is through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have that privilege, that extraordinary uh, asset. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we uh, uh, conclude our service, I'd like to ask Scott, Scott Craig to come and close us in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, as we close our service today, may we be reminded what occurred over 2,000 years ago when our Lord made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem as a servant and a pass- the Passover lamb of the people, knowing that through his love would sacrifice all to ensure we could be with him for all eternity. We pray that instead of being fearful and unhappy during these challenging times, we might be filled with joy knowing we have a risen Savior. Savior. And through his word, face these times with the power of our faith and with the knowledge of God's love and his plan for us that they are perfect and will overcome anything we might face. We pray for all those on our prayer list, understanding you know exactly what their needs are and will meet those needs in your perfect way. And we thank thank you for answered prayers in the case of Jude Fody recovering from high fever and Kathy Haley's brother, Kirby, who was in hospice care after suffering brain injuries from a fall and is now out of hospice care with signs of recovery. We pray for the missionaries that have responded to our request for information, where in many cases they have not been able to be with their people due to the worldwide pandemic, and may, the, uh, may those that support they support somehow continue their intake of the Word of God. We pray for our national and local leaders for their wisdom and their faith in God and ask that those in both government and the industry and their leadership positions do not exploit these times to control and abuse the powers they have been entrusted with. We continue to pray for all those in the medical field and first responders, such as police and firemen and our military, that they may be protected from the virus and they may remain strong in executing their, their duties, and that we as Christians in this nation are role models for both unbelievers and those weak in their faith, showing others the path to an inner peace and trust in God. May we be beacons of light to the rest of the world through Christ. And last, 
Let's not be distracted by human solutions, but focused on spiritual solutions, applying his promises and doctrine in our souls to every problem. May we exploit all the blessings you have given us to your glory, faithfully discharging the duties we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Christ's name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In closing, during this the next week, we recommend you spend time learning more about Christ's last week on this earth as he heads to the cross and makes his final exhortations to both those who persecute him and those that sought him. We hope your week goes well and that if you need any help in any area, please contact one of the deacons. We thank you and have a great week.